You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 27. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for moms who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds loss or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, online fitness coach, wife, and mom of four. Every week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today I have a super special guest, like a really super special guest. This is somebody that a lot of you guys have been very, very excited to hear from because she has a really interesting story, and it relates a lot to me and my years growing up, and that is my mom, Chris Longhurst. Hi, mom. Hi, Am, and everybody else out there. <laughs> my mom is visiting me. Uh, she watched my kids for three days for me while I went to a conference. And I said, Mom, we have to get a podcast interview done during the time that you're here because people people want to hear from you. I can't imagine, but... <laughs> <laughs> because my mom has played a huge role in my fitness journey. And as somebody, a lot of you guys know my story. My mom was the one who really was very influential in me in getting started in lifting weights, in he- in health and fitness in general. She was a an aerobics instructor, which I'm sure we'll talk about during our interview. Um, but she was very influ- influential in me being where I am today. And I know so many of you guys have questions. I asked you guys, what questions do you want to hear? And so many of you guys had questions about how she balanced teaching about health and fitness and teaching about healthy eating without making it full of shame or without, um, you know, making us concerned about our bodies. My mom raised four healthy girls who are all very secure in themselves and very confident. And I want her to be able to share some of her secrets today. So that's what we're going to talk about. Great. I'm ready. Okay. So this is my mom, Chris Longhurst. So mom, I want you to share first just a little bit about yourself. Kind of give us a little bit of history. Where are you spending your time now? What are you passionate about? Kind of what life looks like for you now? Well, right now, because I only have one child left at home, she's actually a senior, I'll be graduating in June. Um, I'm able to really kind of focus on myself. I, I like to read. I run. I take um, classes from at the community college and various topics that I've always wanted to study. I listen to podcasts. I love to do puzzles. Um, I really have my own time. I also teach a church Bible class seminary, so I that's basically what I do all day. And just so you understand, I am the oldest. Uh, my sister is the youngest, and so there's 17 and a half years between us. So I am in my mid-30s, and my little sister is... 17. So (laughs) she's the last one that's at home and uh, she's the baby of the family. Um, Okay. So my mom is at a really awesome place right now. In fact, we were just talking about it the other day about how wouldn't it be nice if I like sat down and did a puzzle? Not that I want to do a puzzle, but just like had the time. It's just a very different phase of life, but it's been fun to watch my mom step into this. She just actually started law school. Am I allowed to tell people that? Uh, I guess now that you have. (laughs) She just started law school, not because she wants to practice as a lawyer, but because she loves to learn and she's interested in it and she wants to dive into that. So 
to me, that's really inspirational. And I love seeing her kind of go through this new phase of life. Um, but let's go back a little bit in time and kind of talk about what I was like as a kid. Well, Amber was, you know, thinking back, for, she was the firstborn. And if you went into a dictionary to see what a firstborn or the books that people write about firstborns, there would Amber's picture. <laughs> I checked all the boxes. <laughs> she's very, she's always been very um, aggressive, competitive. Um, no one's going to believe that. <laughs> and she's just always, when she's put her mind to something, you don't step in her way. And she started at like 18 months. And I remember her always wanting to do it by herself. She's a great woman. Um, I tell her often that she intimidates me. So um, that's kind of the way she grew up. And her dad and I used to always sit back and say, okay, she's challenging, but we don't want to squelch that because those are great traits um, when maturity happens that are really going to propel her into adulthood. And so we're really proud of Amber and what she's become and becoming. Oh, well, thank you. I remember them always saying that they knew I had a very strong personality, which I mean, is shocking, right? <laughs> um, I had a very strong personality. And I remember my mom saying, we either knew that you were going to be a, a great cause for good or a great cause for evil. <laughs> and either way, you were going to be like headstrong <laughs> and really good at it. Um, and their goal was really just to like lead me towards that great, you know, great influence for good. Um, and hopefully that's where they kind of feel like I've gone. Um, but let's talk a little bit about your fitness journey because I've, I know I've reiterated the story multiple times of like my perception of um, how I grew up and and how you were in fitness, but I'm interested to hear from your own perspective, like, where did you start in fitness? Like, even before I was born, and what has that looked like for you over the years? Um, I was trying to think about that. I think when I really could say that I really started in fitness was in my early 20s. In my senior year at BYU, I took a, an aerobics class. It was kind of the new thing in the early 80s, dance aerobics with music. And I took it with my sister who was there. And we had, it was so fun to quote exercise to music. It's like you forgot that, that you were actually exercising. And I remember at that time thinking, you know, I'd love to someday teach aerobics because it was kind of the new fitness craze. And then after we graduated, we moved to Denver and I was working full time, but there was a, a local gym that was just for women and they offered aerobic classes and stuff. So I, I remember taking aerobic classes on the way home from work and really enjoyed that. And once again, thought, shoot, I'd really like to teach, but you know, I have to get certified. And right now I'm working full time and it's not going to work. Then I got pregnant with Amber and um, stopped working. And so I had a little bit more time, but then now I have a baby. So once again, I really wanted to teach, but it just wasn't in the cards. We moved to Chicago and I just had, you know, Amber and I was getting kind of bored just doing nothing. And so I actually sought out somebody who um, certified me in dance aerobics. And so I actually taught at a couple of fitness clubs while we lived in Chicago. And then when we moved to back to the farm, I just kind of started running when I could. And, and it really wasn't until I moved to Seattle, I had two little kids and was pregnant with a third. And I was going nuts again. And so I actually sought out um, a YMCA that had a prenatal fitness class. And it was just really, really fun. And after I had my baby, the third baby, I decided to go ahead and seek out. In fact, they actually asked me to do some teaching. So that's where I kind of got it. And I just, I worked a lot at the YMCA. Um, I got certified into um, personal training. I did a bunch of the different classes there, step aerobics, regular aerobics, um, weight classes, and I kind of did that for 
most of Amber's growing up years. I did that for 18 years. Yeah, one of my one of my first memories of the gym was I I don't even know how old I was. I, maybe Probably like four. 4 is what I was going to say. <laughs> I remember we were in the old YMCA, YMCA because they they built a new one when we were living in Seattle. But I was in the old YMCA and I remember like I was in the kids care and I could see into the room. They must have had like a window or something yeah. into the exercise room and I remember like sitting there like watching my mom at 4 years old as she like taught this class and that's like one of my early memories of being a kid and seeing my mom and fitness. It was kind of fun because I could say that Amber and most of, well, all of my kids are, are gym rats from the very beginning. All of us. And I can say the same for my kids because I drug them to the gym <laughs> and the childcare. And uh, we grew up to be very responsible, productive adults. So you're not going to hurt your kids by dropping them off at the kid, the daycare at the gym. Yeah. So anyway, I, um, uh, I just remember taking, I was from, and it really was good for me because it was for my own mental health. And I figured I was a better mom. And I just had, when I had something that was my own and that defined me more as an individual or as a woman than as a, somebody's mom, it really was helpful. So every morning we loaded up and went to the gym, whether I was teaching or not, I would work out for that hour. And it was, it was worth a lot to just have that schedule and to, you know, I felt better coming home because I was doing something positive for my body, and um, I think the kids had an opportunity to to get out too. So, absolutely. Um, and then it, it, I kind of want you to talk a little bit about the relationship between exercise and weight, because I think you exercise has always been a habit. Like that's always been something that you have done, and I'm sure weight loss has come into that, you know, per se, but. I don't get the sense that that's like the only reason that you do it. So kind of talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, different times in my life, there was different focus. When I started out, <clears throat> when you're in your 20s, gosh, you know, you can eat. And in fact, I used to say I exercise so that I could eat. I never was much of a real junk food junkie. I mean, I tried to eat pretty good, but it's not like I didn't eat things I probably shouldn't have. But um, I... I think as time went on, like when I was pregnant, I would exercise. It was still, once again, I think more for mental health and for body awareness. That was the fun thing about taking the prenatal class was I looked around and all these women had these huge bellies and we, I just really kind of fit in. Um, but I do have to say that the after having babies, that's really what got me back to the gym was to get my body back to where, not necessarily where it was before because... You know, we know that never happens after having a baby, but at least getting where, once again, mentally, I could feel confident about where I was at. Yeah, I love it. And and what about your parents? Like, I can talk about the lessons that I've learned from you and the experience that I had, um, you know, looking up to my mom and my dad and how what that taught me in fitness. But what about you and you learning health from your parents? What does that look like? Well, to be really honest, um, I was raised in the 60s and 70s, and fitness, at least in my area of focus, was not um, taught. We as a family didn't exercise. We really didn't eat that good. Um, we ate out a lot. Um, my parents both worked. So I can't, you know, not to dog my parents, but just as far as health, it really, my mom was um, one of those eaten, eaten and don't eat because you have to make up for that candy bar you ate. So as far as health, um, and fitness and, and good eating, I can't really say that I learned that from my family. Um, it wasn't really till I left and went to college and really kind of got exposed to more that. Plus, like I said, the early eighties really started being more of a, 
um, you always had athletes, but in the 80s, it really started becoming more of a, 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 what do you call it, more out there in the society and more kind of a part of other normal people's lives and not just the athletes. So um, I can't say that, you know, there was influence from my family. <laughs> which which I think is, is a really important point because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I didn't come from a family who like was focused on health or, oh, I didn't come from parents who taught me about healthy eating. Um, and they kind of feel like they got the short end of the stick. And I, and I feel like you can, you know, yes, like, am I grateful that I grew up in this family that like focused on health and focused and taught me healthy eating and taught me healthy habits from a young age? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that if you didn't come from that, that you're screwed or that you, you can't get to that place yourself. Um, so I think it's an important distinction. And I also think one of the things that I hear a lot from moms is they really want to pass that on to their kids, right? Like one of the reasons when I ask women why they're doing this is because they want to be a good example for their kids and they want their kids to be able to have those habits instilled in them from a young age. And um, that is super important. And that's a motivation for a lot of you to be able to, you know, do what you're doing. And, and it does, it makes a difference, but it's not a make or break type thing. And you can, you know, if you didn't have that experience, you still can, can, you can be the change and you can change your lineage and your kids and your kids, kids and their experience because of, you know, because of the choices that, that you are making. So I'm curious, cause I tell the story all the time about my mom taking me to the weight room when I turned 14. Um, you weren't allowed to go into the weight room at the Y until you turned 14. And I remember when I turned 14, my mom took me to the weight room and like, took me around and showed me all the weights and all the machines. Do you remember that? You know, I don't, to be honest with you. I remember as you got older, um, you used to come to my early morning aerobic class. I remember that, yes. The step class at 5.30 in the morning, which was really fun to have you there. And and um, and I remember going to the weight room and working out with you. I But I don't remember, quote, the start of it. I, yeah. I, I remember the start of it, but I do. <clears throat> I remember I would get up sometimes at five 30 in the morning and go to my mom's step rose class. I mean, I loved like dance and like rhythm and fitness from that young age. So as a high schooler, I would get up and go to um, her class a bunch. Okay. So I asked my followers on Instagram, what questions they wanted me to ask you. And so we're going to go through a couple of those questions. So someone asked, how did you come up with workouts for us, us being like me and my sisters in the weight room? Did you just modify your workout or like, how did you come up with that for us? Well, I actually had been through the YMCA. I'd done a, a whole week training on, um, what do you call it? Weight training and got certified as a personal trainer. So I kind of had enough background that I kind of knew how to modify workouts or to figure out, you know, what was the best workout for each individual. So oftentimes, I think when I took the girls, like I said, I don't really remember specifics, but I'm sure what happened was I take them in and just like any personal trainer would do first, they would first figure out what was a good weight for you to lift and then figure out your repetitions and, and go from there and, and just about full balance, you know, make sure you do opposing muscle groups and make sure you don't use the same muscle groups every, you know, every day you alternate, you know, upper body, lower body. So just kind of the same, the same idea and one, and just kind of have the individual figure out what works for them. And I remember doing a lot of um, machines um, yeah. when we started out, more like not so much free weights um, and definitely not barbells, but it was um, more, more what I remember is just like getting into the weight room. Like it, it was never a scary place for me because 
first of all, I was really excited to go there because I knew when I turned 14 that I could go. And second, like my mom took me. And so it just, it didn't, it wasn't a scary place for me. It was a very comfortable place because my mom made it comfortable and she just made it seem like it was no big deal. Um, There was nothing to be intimidated about going in and doing weights. She just made it seem very normal for a female to lift weights. And if you look at... um, the sisters that I have, so I have, there's four of us. Um, the sister right after me, Kara, she um, was an All-American rugby player at BYU. Um, very, very athletic. She coached rugby. She coaches basketball. Um, volleyball. Coaches volleyball. I mean, she's like very well, very much an athlete. Um, has lifted weights, you know, for all of her life. My sister after that is Rachel. Um, she did group fitness, like I did. Taught group, teaches group fitness. Um, she also lifts weights. Uh, it's something that is ingrained in her. And then my littlest sister, Annalise, is seventeen. Does Annie lift weights? She does. Well, she does. She's actually started where she's actually runs. She's not a real consistent exerciser, but she does. She runs a couple days a week and then she comes back and does weight training. She pulls up a program off of the internet with a computer and does it. She's not one to want her mother's help. She's a little independent. (laughs) Unlike my other daughters who are very, you know, dependent. Meek and mild. (laughs) And so, but yeah, she does kind of her own thing, but she does, I mean, the focus is there. And, you know, Jerem, Jerem is lifting weights now. And Jacob is starting to do more biking and running. Adam is still working on he actually has good intentions, but he is intimidated by the weight room and by yeah. the gym. And so um, he's still working on that. But the, it's in his brain, at least, that that's a good thing. Yeah, it definitely is a culture that we were for sure um, raised around. The second question that like everybody asked, I probably got this question you know, over and over and over again. How did you balance getting us to work out and yet not making us feel pressured to do it or making us feel like, we had to fix something or like something was wrong with us. So we needed to go to the gym and fix it. I think something, and it's kind of funny because my husband who, who was a runner and a high school basketball player, he played tennis in college. And, and so he, he's very athletic and very fitness oriented as well. And he was like, why does Amber always give you credit and not me any credit? Because I was active too. In fact, he teases me. I'm actually doing more running now. And I didn't start really running until I was like 40 and he had to stop at 40 because he started having injuries and knee issues and stuff like that. So he says, I stopped, he stopped and I started. But anyway, um, I think just because we were active, we did, we liked to backpack. We did hiking a lot as ki- when you guys were little as well. Every, every year we'd hike a couple different trails that were around the Seattle area. We, um, I think one of the fun things that I'm really enjoying now, especially now with the grandkids, which has been fun, is we've been running turkey trots and doing the 4th of July runs. And, you know, they're like three miles or six miles. It's it's nothing big, but it's fun. You get a T-shirt and you're around a bunch of people. I just think, you know, just doing it. And, you know, sometimes the kids will want to run and sometimes they don't. And that's fine. You just you provide the opportunity. That's funny. I never actually like put two and two together. But yeah, like our family runs 5Ks like when they we go and visit for Thanksgiving, there's always a turkey trot involved. When we go for Fourth of July, there's always a firecracker run involved. Um, and my my six year old actually just ran. Um, was it the turkey trot or the Fourth of July? Fourth of July. The Fourth of July. My six year old was like, I want to run too. Yeah, he's like, I think he did run a turkey trot. He's like, I want to run, and we're like, Mac, like you're not going to be able to run. (laughs) 
And he did. He ran the entire time. But it it very much is like, and if you want to do it, you do it. And if you don't, you don't. And my husband doesn't always want to do it. <laughs> he thinks it's kind of a crazy thing that us Longhurst do. Um, but it is. It is. It's just a culture. Like it's just it's just what we do. Um, and I think. Honestly, I think one of the biggest things is, is that you never felt like going to the gym was fixing something that was wrong with you. And so the way that we like saw you doing it, like, why would we think that going to the gym meant we had to fix something because you didn't go to the gym to fix anything. So we're just doing what, what you were, what we saw you do. Well, and another fun thing I was just thinking, I've, I've run a half with every one of, well, all my daughters. Well, except Annie, I haven't yet, but I, and I will someday if I live long enough. But um, my Jeremy a year ago made a, made a goal to run a half in the year, sometime in the year. And there's always a Walnut Creek half at December. And it was getting toward the end of that year. And finally, he's like, oh, Mom, i got to do it. So he did it. We ran. It was really fun. He's never run again, but he enjoyed the, he got his goal in, and that was, and that was fun. So. And let's talk about this idea of, like, why I don't credit Dad. Uh, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so, so for my dad, who's listening, um, let's see, I, I think that's a really interesting question. And I think it isn't because I didn't see him. Well, I think one of the reasons is I didn't see him work out. So he would always go to the gym right after work. Yeah. Like he, his schedule was that he would go to work and then he would go to the gym and then he would come home. So it wasn't something yeah. that I got to really see him do. And his marathon running days were really before I was old enough to, yeah. to like see that or like go to the races with her, him or anything. And so I think one, I didn't necessarily see him doing it. Um, and then two, I think you just identify more with your mom, right? As a female, like my mom is, I just identified more with her. And so because I got to see her work out and because I got to, um, she was, you know, female, I identified more with that, which I think, you know, for you moms listening, I think that's a really valuable thing to hear. There's research that shows that children mimic the education level of their mother. And I think a lot can be said too for children mimic the health of their mother because you're the one who ends up spending a lot of time with them. You're the one who talks to them about it a lot more. You're the one who they see go and work out. And it's been, I've shared this before, but it's been one of the awesome things about having a gym here at our house, out in our shed, our kids see my husband and I go and lift weights. Our kids come out and they'll do pull-ups with us. We have a training bar, so we've already like started to teach our kids squat technique and they get a they get to see us doing it. And I think there's so much value in your kids seeing that it's a priority in your life. And if it's a priority in your life, it naturally becomes a priority in their life. Agreed. Very much. So Let's talk a little bit about food because we talked a lot about exercise um, and weights and and training, but let's talk a little bit about food. So what has your relationship been with food through the years? And, you know, a lot of people wanted to know, like, did you track your food, especially when I was young? Like, what did that look like? Well, once again, we're going back 20 some years and I don't, I never tracked my food until like a couple years ago. I hired Amber for a while to do that, but... Um, I just, I think because I exercised and I was in the fitness field, um, I actually got certified through the YMCA. They started a Eat Smart um, program and I got certified in that. And I also taught some classes at, at the YMCA for people. It was a weight management kind of thing. So I was more of a 
familiar with kind of just weight management. Being cognitive of what you eat was kind of the 80-20 rule was the one in, in the 80s. Huh. It's like, come back. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of that idea, you know, 80% of the time eat what you're supposed to eat and 20% that way. Because as soon as it, I just remember going back to my family, my mom, um, great lady, but she would, you know, if she ate, you know, a donut and, and ice cream, then she wouldn't eat good food because she ate that, you know, it was, it was always a diet. Mm-hmm. And I remember even as a youth, as a teenager doing quote diets, I remember the grapefruit diet. I remember the egg diet and I remember the starvation diet. And, and I would do those as a teenager. My, my sister and I both would do those. Um, just because once again, going back to the example, that's why my mom would, would do it. And plus we never really sat down on a regular basis for meals. Sundays we would have meals all together, but because my parents worked and my sister and I, what we would do, we wouldn't eat breakfast or lunch. So we'd be starved when we got home from, um, school. So we'd eat then. So we never really kind of ate as a family. And that's another thing that I really when and thank heaven for my husband, because that was a real focus for him, too. When my kids were being raised, we always had family dinner. We always had family dinner together. Yeah. And so and I still to this day, we still have family dinner. Now, Annie's in and out, my my 17 year old, but she knows that there's always dinner at night. And I try to have a good breakfast for them in the morning as well. So um, I think it's just once again, I don't know if Amber remembers my tofu phase where I totally remember it. <laughs> I really got into the tofu thing. I was putting tofu in everything, and I actually made a pie crust. Oh, I was going to tell the pie crust story if you didn't tell it, because that <laughs> okay. I remember. You no, can... you t- no, you tell it. You tell it. Well, I was, in a, I was trying to get tofu in it just because of the protein and that type of thing, and soy was, once again, a big thing in the fitness field or in the, the health field to, to get into your body. And so um, I would put it in lasagna, and the kids never noticed it because it was a part of the, you know. And so I tried to put it, hide it in different stuff. Well, we all know pie crust is not that good for it because all it is is flour and fat. fat. (laughs) So I I found this recipe to make pie crust with tofu. And so I made it one time. (laughs) I made a banana cream, banana cream, tofu crust pie. And you could not even cut it. You couldn't cut it. Like it was like, (laughs) like, like rubber, like it it just wouldn't cut. It was so bad. So we just ate the pudding out of it. But so there's some things you can put tofu in and and some things you can't, but most things you shouldn't. So I kind of went on, you know, once again, as I was enough in the fitness or the, the health food area or a health area that I knew a lot about food. And I really tried to have a balanced diet. Now, going back to the macro thing, I did that with Amber. I do have fitness pal on my phone and I did that for a couple months and it really worked. But for me, it got to be too tedious. Mm-hmm. I am not a real detailed worrying person. Huh? I would have never guessed. <laughs> And so for me to track everything now, for me doing that, though, it really helped me because it made me cognitive of how much protein I was eating. I realized I eat more carbohydrates than I probably should. It really helped. And it also helped me when I, you know, would debate, should I eat that? Well, if I eat it, then I've got to, you know, I've got to put it in. I've got to be honest with myself. I've got to put it in my fitness pal. So it really made me cognitive. And, uh, you know, to this day, even though I'm not, quote, tracking it really, to this day, I'm really very cognitive of how much protein I'm taking in and how much carbohydrates and really the balance once again. So it was, it was very helpful. I just don't do it. Which I think is super important to, to say, because I don't think that everybody should track their macros and I don't think that everyone should track it forever, especially like I'm very vocal about the fact that I think it is to be used for a period of time. It's like training wheels. Like you don't 
keep the training wheels on your bike. But that being said, I do think that everybody would value, would find value from tracking for at least like a two week period of time because it is so eye opening and because it does really like make you aware of what you're eating. And now you can make those choices from a place of knowledge and a place of understanding. And it doesn't mean that you don't eat the cookie and it doesn't mean you don't eat the donuts, but now you do it fully conscious and aware of like what you're choosing to eat. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Well, and I think going back to the idea that if you eat a cookie, that doesn't mean you're bad. Right. And that's what I remember growing up. Like if my mom would eat, so she goes, I'm bad, you know, or I'm going to start a diet tomorrow. So I'm going to eat all the cookies and all the ice cream I can today because tomorrow I can't eat it forever. And instead of, you know, depriving yourself of having that cookie, and that's kind of what I did like about the macro thing was, and Amber, I remember her doing posts saying, I'm eating, I eat ice bowl of ice cream every night. And that's fine, you know, because I would find if I didn't eat that bowl, then when I did eat the bowl, it was a huge bowl, you know. So it's just the balance and learning to really listen to your body mm-hmm. and how you feel. I never heard you say that, though. I never heard no. you say any of that. So how did you make that transition? Like you were raised with somebody saying, oh, I'm bad for eating the cookie now I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to be able to make up for that. But I never heard you say that. How did you make that transition? I think because I was once again immersed in the, in the fitness field or in the, in the health food area that I, that, and I know how seeing that what didn't make somebody healthy. I mean, sometimes in our society, we think if somebody is skinny or thin, they're healthy. And if somebody is fat or, or, little bit has a little bit more on their body than quote society thinks they should then they're fat and I think that's a bad thing to get into I think it's we really have to focus on health how do you feel are you able to go out and walk down the street I mean I've seen people that are real thin and couldn't walk down the street if they had to and yet I've seen some people who've had a little bit extra weight on them and they're amazing so I think it's it's kind of we've got to really have to change our social perceptions of what is healthy and what is not. Amen. I I think the more that we can separate health and weight, the more valuable it is in the long run. Because if you start, and and frankly, most people start trying to be healthy because of weight, right? That's, That's what gets them started. But we have to separate those two because what happens is if you start creating healthy habits and healthy behaviors and you don't see the weight loss, then you figure, oh, well, then I don't, like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't need to exercise because when I do, I don't see any weight loss. No, 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 no. Like, that's that's backwards thinking. Um, your, like, your health is separate from your weight. And when we can separate those two out and understand that healthy behaviors produce health regardless of whether or not they produce weight loss, that is a really, really good place to be, to be healthy, which does not mean thin. Like, they're not the same thing. Well, and I think as you get older, I'm speaking, I'm almost 60 and I have roles than I should, but it doesn't mean that I'm not healthy. I mean, I can go out and run a half marathon. My mom just got back from a seven mile run. You know, (laughs) so it it really, it's hard. It's hard to not change that thinking you should have your 20 year old body. That's what society tells us. You know, And, and that's going back to my mom again. She's you know, 80, almost 85. And she thinks that she should weigh what she weighed at 18. And so she's always quote dieting or not eating so that she can get to that weight that she was at 18. And that's just not, I mean, for one, it's not healthy. And number two, it's really not feasible. 
we're, your body changes a lot and your body holds weight different in different areas. I've had seven children. And so let's face it, the body wasn't that great when we started and it's not, not <laughs> that great it. right now. <laughs> But I feel healthy. And, and you can do everything that you want to be yes. able to do. Which is, I'm not limited. Which is really valuable. And um, my parents have really seen that over the last couple of years because my dad, who is very healthy, uh, we always, I mean, you talk about healthy eating. Yeah. TJ says my dad eats like a rabbit. Like <laughs> kale and spinach is like his go-to. But he's suffered some like health yeah. issues with with his body, you know, tennis elbow and his knee, knee and his hip and like <laughs> a lot of things that ha- that he struggled with. And so they've real like, it's, it's been on the forefront of my parents' mind because they're getting to their age where they now want to retire and go and do things. And being able to do things with your body is so valuable. Who cares what it weighs? Yeah. If you can't do the things that you want to do, then you, you don't have the things that you want to have in your life and the, and the fullness that you want to have in your life. And it's not really about the weight. It's about what you're capable of doing. Well, and I, I always remember, I always thought I want to be in good enough condition that if my kids want to go out on a backpack trip or they want to go on a run, that I will be able to do that with them, that I won't, you know. And that's been one of the frustrations of my husband right now because he's still um, recovering from hip surgery and those types of things. He really wants to, once he retires in two years, to go and take the, the grandkids backpacking. And he and I loved to, loved to backpack before we had kids. And now we don't have those restrictions like we used to, and we would love to do backpacking, but we're a little limited. So it really is something that you really you know, need to choose to do and, and do it young enough that you don't start at 60 running half marathons. But you could. You could. It's going to be a little harder, but you could. <laughs> for sure. It's never, it's never too no, late. No. For sure. Um, so when you were, when you were momming me and when you were momming all the, all seven of us was, was like teaching us about health and teaching us about body image and like passing that on to us. Like, was that a conscious thought or was that just kind of a byproduct of how you lived your life? I would think byproduct. I, I don't recall I mean, obviously, we, you know, abstain from drugs and alcohol and those types of things that, that we all know are not healthy for us, and that was taught. But as far as, I don't know, healthy food, like I said, I would go through different... I think if mom cooks, it's way easier to control, you know, the health of the kids compared to, you know, swinging by McDonald's. Now, granted, we used to go to McDonald's. In fact, my kids, many of their goals in, in long-term employment was to work at, be a McDonald's worker. And I always thought, well, that's great. Yeah. I remember writing down, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wanted to be a McDonald's worker. So we ate at McDonald's. We had high goals. And, you know, and it's not, and we went to the Dairy Queen. It's not like we never did those things. But there was always, I think, good, healthy food available at home, and, and we ate meals together that, so you could kind of control. And we ate at home a lot. A lot. In fact, I remember <laughs> when I was, I was probably like 13 or 14, my dad wanted to teach us manners. Do you remember this? Yes. <laughs> my dad wanted to teach us manners, and so he like set this goal. He's like, okay, we're going to learn about manners for this month, um, and after we finish learning about manners, we're like going to go out to a restaurant, and we were like, a restaurant? Like, like not a McDonald's, like where you sit down and they like bring you your food. Cause I, I literally like couldn't remember the last time I did it. I like, went to a restaurant. We just never went to restaurants. We had a lot of kids and you know, it's expensive. Um, and so we did at the end of the month, we went to a really swanky high class restaurant called Denny's. 
And we thought it was the bomb.com. Like somebody order. You like ordered and someone like brought it to you and they refilled your cup. Um, anyway, I just remember like that being like, like I still remember that experience because we didn't, we ate at home a lot and my mom did an amazing job of cooking food. And I have to brag about her a little bit because I didn't quite appreciate this as much as I probably should have until I became a mom myself, but she used to get up and make us a hot breakfast every morning. So like we're talking like pancakes or oatmeal or waffles or egg sandwiches every single morning. And in high school, she taught seminary. I went to seminary. For those who don't know what seminary is, it's it's early in the morning. It started at like 6 a.m., um, which means that we would get up early and go. And she would get up before us leaving the seminary and her teaching seminary, and she would cook us a hot breakfast every single morning. And that's something that I remember and appreciated at the time. I remember bragging to my friends, oh, well, my mom like cooks us a hot breakfast. But I didn't really understand how big that was until I became a mom myself. And my kids do not eat a hot breakfast every morning. <laughs> sorry. Um, but I, that's something that, you know, her cooking and making that, and she doesn't love it. No, I'm not. I'm, she I, doesn't love cooking. In fact, once my husband retires, he's going to become my cook because yeah. I'm done. She, yeah, <laughs> she doesn't love cooking, but she's always done it because she felt like that was an important way to like help kids with nutrition and be able to provide healthy food for them. Um, and so she made it a priority. Okay, so last question. If you're going to give, you know, all the moms listening out there a tip or a couple tips, what do you have, what do you want to say to them about instilling healthy habits into their kids? Um, I just think do, do something active with the kids, even just going out on a walk or going to the park or whatever. Um, I, I don't really know. I think just for one, I think you have to be committed yourself and do it for the right reasons and do it and, and just take the kids along with you when you do it. And, and um, preaching only goes so far. I remember my mom always just say, what you do speaks so much louder than what you ever say. And I just think that's the same thing with health and, and with eating right. I mean, if you're going to be sitting there eating a bowl of ice cream while they're eating a salad, that's just not a very good example. Or you, you know, I think it's your own habits. And if you really want healthy children, then you've got to do healthy things yourself. And it's a mindset more than preaching. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And I think having that culture, like I really feel like we had a family culture of health. Um, and that trickled down into all seven of us and we've done it in different ways and we're, you know, at different places with our own health, but, um, that absolutely was something that was at the forefront and it wasn't anything my mom ever said. Like, I, I don't remember anything my mom ever said. Not one. Like, I don't remember anything. I ever said. <laughs> Not anything, but like, I don't remember ever her talking about health or like teaching me about like carbohydrates or like, I don't remember her doing anything that what I remember is what I saw her do. And, um, I saw her work out. I saw her like feed us and I saw moderation mimicked to me. It was never an on or off. It was a, you know, it was like, yeah, we had ice cream like most nights after, after dinner. Um, it wasn't a good or bad thing. It's just like, yeah, you eat a healthy dinner, you have ice cream and it's, you can find that balance. And so I think as you model that, that's what your kids see. And so if there's one thing that you can be doing right now to be able to instill that in your kids is to really getting yourself at the place of, of that just being a part of who you are. Yeah, I think that's the best teacher. 
in all the areas of life, not just health. For sure. And we could, I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast yeah. <laughs> on like <laughs> raising kids and experiences with raising kids. My mom's had a, a, like a wide variety, a whole, gamut. <laughs> a whole gamut with raising kids and it's, and it's hard. Um, but yeah, any, anything that you want your kids to do, showing them it is always going to be better than telling them it. Yep. Amen. Oh, mom, you did so good. She was really worried about this. So you can like, you can DM me or like message me and let me know how well my mom did and I'll pass it on to her. Um, Because I know that, you know, it's scary to get on here and and talk, but I, I hope that you guys appreciate from her perspective um, because I think it is really valuable to look at me and think, you know, how, how did you become so healthy? You, you must, you must be really, you know, I don't know it must be all you, like you must just have that as, as your personality. And I'm sure that there is some of that truth, but a lot of it came from what I was taught and what was modeled to me at a very young age. And you right now have the opportunity and the responsibility and the exciting like joy of doing that for your kids. And whether or not you saw that in your own parents, continuing that legacy, or if you didn't see that in your own parents, breaking that chain and starting a new legacy that your kids are going to be able to share with you and pass on to their children. Um, and that's how we as moms can like start to make this difference in the world. Uh, it starts with our kids um, and it spreads to our communities and it spreads to our, our nations. Anything else, mom? Nope, I'm good. She's good. Well, thank you for being here at Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.